Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars-loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. I'm your other host, Charles Rogers. And if my voice sounds weird this week, it is because California fucking hates me and decided to do all the allergies all at once, just all up in my face. Although the, the plus side is I did get to explain to Bradley what an arboreal bukkake is before the, <laughs> the episode started recording, which was very funny. Shout out to our friends over at Dark Side Divas for coining that lovely term that I do use in my day-to-day life. Oh, God. Remember, kids, this is an E for explicit podcast. <laughs> I can say whatever I want. Apparently, we've been doing that a lot on Bad Batch. So real quick, is it like already spring for some reason over in California? Because uh, Groundhog said six more weeks of winter, so... Uh, the Groundhog can fuck off. <laughs> California does not care. So California is really weird I, in I that see. like it, it doesn't, it has winter, but not really. Speaking um, of places with temperate weather. There you go. <laughs> I was like, well, how are you going to connect this one? I did it. I don't think we've we've had any any Star Wars news this week, so I I think we can hop right into the episode. There's nothing I yeah. can think of off the top nothing, of my head. Nothing great. Yeah, they're I think they're keeping everything close to the vest until after Mando airs because or, or celebration. We're so close. Yeah, because if for those at home, uh, it's almost time for the Super Bowl, so I'm assuming there'll be a Mando Super Bowl spot, and that's what, about what's it. What's a Super and Bowl? Then, um, it's a place where the dredges of American society all waste their money to watch a bunch of sweaty dudes hit each other uh, with their bodies. Um, is over is a that ball. not just a go-go bar? It depends on your definition of <laughs> go-go bar, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, I I think the I think there'll be a Mando season three TV spot, but I think that's all we'll get. I don't think there's going to be anything up until March for any kind of star wars stuff because i think that's when mando oh visions uh announced that yes was, that was oh it. that was the thing yeah i knew yeah. there was something this week that i wanted to bring up so like visions yeah visions is all dropping at once on may 4th now bradley our tentative plan for visions to my recollection we'll see if i get this right on air and you okay. can correct me if i'm wrong cool is that we're not gonna do we may or may not do a Vision-specific bonus episode to talk about it when it first comes out. But one thing you want to do, and I agree, is that in the filler time that we have in between seasons of watching stuff, we want to go back and take season one and then season two episode by episode. Because you felt like we didn't quite get to get into them just covering the whole thing as a whole like we did before. Right. That right. Yeah, I we, I felt like we didn't give Visions justice. I felt like there's just, I feel like you could really talk about each episode individually a little bit better. Plus, we also skipped over episodes, you know? We didn't talk about certain ones. We only talked about the ones that we enjoyed. So I, I feel also like that's a disservice. Also, the ones we didn't enjoy. We, right. we talked about the ones that made us feel the most things, and we didn't talk about the ones that were like, this is fine. Yeah, so I feel like we did a disservice to Visions. So we'll, in the intervening time between Mandalorian 3 and... Ahsoka slash skeleton crew. We're not really quite sure yet when which one comes first. We'll say we'll try to squeeze in uh, Vision season one and two episode by episode. Uh, I'm still working on how I want to release them. They will be short, just like Visions, because obviously they're they're. Or I'm sorry, Tales of the Jedi. 
I was about um, to say, yeah. Because they're only like eight to 11 minutes long, like max. So we will have very short, less than 30 minute episodes for each one. So we might do multiple per week. I don't know how we'll do it. It'll just, however, the timing, once we get to celebration, we'll know like kind of dates for Ahsoka and Skeleton Crew. So that'll help me figure out our release schedule for Visions because I want to make sure that we slot it in there, but we don't want it to overtake our coverage of Skeleton Crew or Ahsoka because those are more important to me than Visions, which is our filler time. Even though we don't like the F word. We don't like but, the F word, but this genuinely nothing, is right. filler time that we have right. to fill time. Because we have like, a couple months in between. That's so what filler means, fill. guys. If if you right. have a period of thing you have to fill, you make the content to, to fill that. Right. That's that's what that word actually means. So the TLDR for people is maybe maybe look out for a bonus episode, but definitely look out for us to go episode by episode through visions down the line. Just right. when we get the chance to. When we'll get there when we get there. We, we will get there when we get there. Uh, hopefully it won't be like Tales of the Jedi where everybody forgot about it a week later, except all the people, including me, who were very mad about episode six. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think it'll be good because I, I was looking at some of the they announced all the animation houses and this season is different because it's global their animation houses. So it'll be instead of just, I guess, Japan or, or wherever they did the last It was ones. Japan. And Japan. I know this. Yeah. I know this because I was in the visions panel. Mm. at SWCA. It it kind of bothers me a little bit that I'm not going to be going to SWCL. Uh, but on the other hand, my wallet is very happy about this. Also, I kind of need to just take a year to be like, I'm going to sit on my couch and watch yeah. this. I also wish they would just keep it in the US because I don't really feel like spending money to fly to another well, country to go see this like well, as much as I love Star Wars. My thing is that they do this every so often. They'll send it to Europe like they did it in Germany one year. They do it every three or four years. It's mainly so Europe because Star Wars is such a big European fan base. Yeah, it's well, mainly so that, there too. Yeah, it's mainly so that every so often European like fans can actually afford to come to SWCL. So I'm like, fine, fine. I will sacrifice my ability to go to SWCL because if it had been like... Orlando or Chicago or something, I could have justified buying like a Saturday and Sunday right. pass absolutely, and going up even though I couldn't get the four day. But London, I'm like, y'all have fun. I know that plenty of like plenty of my my friends who are over in Europe are very excited to go. And so I will be relying on them to give me all the inside scoops. Meanwhile, I will be sitting on my couch. <laughs> all right. Well, that's enough. All of the things that are not this episode. Uh, Bradley, <laughs> you want to you want to take us into this episode? Yeah. So this week we're talking Bad Batch, episode six, titled Tribe, where the Bad Batch helps a new friend get home. Charles, what is one thing you liked about this episode? And I already know the thing you did not. <laughs> <laughs> have you have, have you seen the TikTok thing that's like, it's that Topher kid? Yes. He's like, y'all already yes. know who I am? Yep. Yeah, the thing Charles disliked. Y'all already know the thing I disliked about this episode. <laughs> I got tacked. Oh, my God. I woke up the morning because I don't I don't watch these at midnight anymore because I'm 32 and I have to wake up 630 in the morning to go to work. And I'm like, I'm not fucking staying up to watch Bad Batch. Sorry. Um, I woke up and like I will get tagged in things. After episodes come out or people will send me messages or did you see X, Y, Z yet? Uh, most of the time it's pretty manageable. Just all over the place. This episode. All over the place. This episode I'm getting tagged. <laughs> I'm having to mute channels and I'm like, 
what is going on? Yeah, something happened in this episode. Something happened. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I haven't seen it yet. I'll see it when I get off work. So I watched it. Uh, my boyfriend and I watched it together, actually. Uh, so he got to watch my initial reaction. And when that part came on, <laughs> we'll get to it. I literally paused the, the episode and was like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> fuck off with this. Uh, my boyfriend, this is now his favorite episode. He thinks this is the greatest thing. He yeah. thinks this is absolutely hilarious. And he just didn't watch me infuriated. <sighs> uh, to answer the original question that was posed to me, I really liked the ambience of this episode. I think they did a really good job with Kashyyyk. I think they did a really good job with the station that they were on. I thought the music was excellent. I thought the sound effects were excellent. I thought uh, the lighting and the design of... The lighting was really good, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, just the general, like, vibe of the episode was absolutely beautiful. Like, some of the, the shot, the wide shots of, like, the Kashyyyk Forest. There's shots of the, the little house that the Wookiee survivors are living in that look like they could almost be a painting with how beautiful they are. The one thing I disliked about this episode is not the thing you would think. Okay. There's a twist. There's a double cross. Because my thing was actually not the thing that you think. And we'll get to that when we get into the episode. I will rant at length. However, the thing I disliked was the same thing I disliked about the Book of Boba Fett episode 7. And that is that this episode is a sequel to content that does not exist. Oh, okay. And there are lines that I will highlight specifically from this episode where we and there are things in this episode that we will discuss that on the surface are fine but if you realize that this is supposed to be a sequel to an episode they never made of clone wars it adds a lot more depth to it interesting and i was watching this and going that's something that annoys me like the whole thing with boba fett and cad bane yeah where if you don't know that there was supposed to be a episode, a whole arc of the Clone Wars explaining that, that never got made, then it would be super weird to you that suddenly Cad Bane is like Boba Fett's arch enemy and they have this epic final duel or whatever. Yeah. So that was the thing I disliked is I, I couldn't shake the feeling that this would have, it, the, this episode was really good. I couldn't shake the fact that it would have been better if maybe we had gotten the thing it was supposed to be a sequel to. Interesting. What about you, Bradley? One thing you liked and one thing you did not. I really liked the episode. I This is probably the most I felt engaged once I turned it on. I, I've been feeling like the past couple episodes, minus the Crosshair episode, I, I felt like I was just very disengaged from the episode. It was almost like it was on in the background for a couple of these episodes. And this one, I felt like the whole time I was like, oh my God, what's going to happen next? Oh, or I need to I need to see what happens next. And maybe that's just because they threw in Wookiees. I have no idea. But I really liked the episode. I really like Gunji. He's really cute. And I said this back in when we were talking about the trailer and this episode kind of solidified it for me was... Was I wish he would just like they would start adding people to their family, you know, like just reoccurring people to their family. And that way you, they have like this extended family versus like just the clones, you know, and I feel like Gunji kind of fits right in. He's just so cute and I love him and Omega and, you know, their little friendship. So I wish more Gunji. That's just, that's pretty much it. I love Gunji. I love it. That's what I liked about the episode. One thing I didn't like about the episode, I didn't like randomly just I, I feel like I know that it just ends in a way where they're like, look, he lives with the Wookiees and yay, like he's fine forever. But we know that 
the the Wookiees don't have a great time moving forward. So I don't love the fact that they just kind of left it ambiguous of he's there and he's happy now. He found his tribe. But like, we know that like they're going to like go into slavery soon. So I don't really like that. Yeah, Um, they're all going to labor camps. Yeah, so I don't love the ending of the episode. I wish they would have maybe given us a little bit more of an ending where like not as open ended of like, oh, he's happy he's with his people. Like, I wish it would maybe have been a little bit more specific, like, oh, they're going to go with a smaller tribe of people to this other place and maybe escape slavery somehow. But I don't know, something like that. I would have liked maybe a little bit better of an ending. But other than that, I thought it was a great episode, eight out of 10. So before we we dive into full our full notes, um, I do have to express my extreme annoyance at Bradley continuing to take W's with predicting when these episodes are going to fall. <laughs> uh, because he did correctly predict the the solitary clone would be about Crosshair. And he did correctly predict that Tribe was going to be about Gunji. So fuck you, Brett. Stop dancing in the Zoom call. <laughs> you know, I wish, there was like a, I wish there was like a Reddit thread or whatever. I mean, I'm sure there is. But I wish there was a like on what each episode is about. Like somebody who got all the episodes was able to like, like leak out what every single one was about. So I could pretend like I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> But oh, I'm sure um, I'm sure it's out there somewhere. I mean, I'm bizarrely, sure bizarrely, because I know people have gotten screeners, but they must have been really careful about who they gave the screeners to. I think because so. Because I haven't seen I haven't heard, any leaks. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about any episode or anything. And I even follow like a not a spoiled Star Wars, but it's like a it's like a Reddit, but it's like for filming news. It's not necessarily for okay. like spoilers yeah. per se, but it's like, oh, you know, this show wrapped production or this, right. you know, that. It's not, it's not really spoilery. But it's not you know a spoiler, I mean. like, it's just a production news feed. Right. And so that's like the closest thing I have to quote unquote spoilers. But I mean, other than that, I haven't heard anything about this show. And you're right. I think they just specifically gave the show to very private people or they have a list of people. So they know like if something comes out, they're like, oh, we gave a special edition to this person. So they're the only person who would have that information. Yeah, we've seen that. Uh, we've seen that happen a couple of times recently where somebody will get a get a screener and then they'll break embargo and then they won't get them so i think i think they're starting to clamp down a little bit because they also gave out they gave out andor screeners and that worked out really well for them too right some people got andor screeners all right so before we dive into this episode uh real fast right up at the top i do want to talk about some of the voice cast rather than going through yeah uh we've got d bradley baker and michelle ang back and then we've got basically a who's who of voices we've had so far shelby young is back uh voicing the axis droids uh you might remember her as princess leia organa in basically everything animated star wars uh nashir dalal is back as the axis leader you'll know him as the voice of admiral rampart vice admiral rampart jonathan lapal is playing gunji several of the trandoshans cartel droid uh he was the one we talked about who was all over resistance i'm pretty sure that was him let me double check Yes, that was him. He was all over Resistance, and then the new person that we're adding as the voice of Venomore and another cartel droid is J.P. Karliak. J.P. Karliak does a lot of kids' animation voices. He's just, I'm just scrolling through his IMDb credits, and it's like, in the Boss Baby, back in the crib, he's the Boss Baby. Uh, nice. He's in, like, Baby Shark's Big Show. But he also looks like it's done some voices and things. He's in uh, Q-Force as Andrew. Q-Force, the show sadly sacrificed on the altar of Netflix. 
did you see that they walked back there i did their, where they uh, tried to sharing. be like they tried to be like oh we posted that as a mistake right no, blame the, the intern yeah no you yeah. brief your call center people on how to answer questions about this this was not a mistake you no. knew exactly what he was doing what, what this you was doing yeah, this was a planned PR stunt. It definitely was. They knew exactly what they were doing. They just wanted to see how bad the backlash would be. And because it was so bad, on top of their cancellations, because they're kind of killing two They're canceling everything right, right now. So they're really pissing off their customer base. And it shows how disconnected they are because they just... I don't know who at Netflix is like fucking them over with this whole like this whole bit, like giving them bad advice, like because clearly someone there is like, oh, yeah, the, the audience doesn't care. That's a cult following for that show. No one cares about that show or whatever. You know what I mean? Like somebody's giving bad advice because that's not the case with half these shows. I saw the problem. I saw somebody talk about and, and we're not going to turn this into a rant about Netflix podcast. I saw somebody talking about how their read on it. And I sort of agree with it is that Netflix has never switched over to a retention model. Like, Disney Plus seems to have a retention model. Like, its goal is not to get you to sign up for it. Its goal is to get you to sign up for it and then stay signed up for it by constantly releasing content. Right. Which is why they have the Marvel shows and the Star Wars shows and they're pushing them as hard as they are. They want older customers to keep their Disney Plus subscription going when you're cutting your various subscriptions Disney Plus is not one you're going to want to get rid of right? because it has X thing you like, either the Marvel shows or the Star Wars shows or whatever is on there. Netflix still has an acquisition model. So it measures success on something based on how many new people they get coming in. And that's why they're canceling a bunch of these. It's part of the reason they're canceling a bunch of these things right. is because Netflix is only interested in how many people signed up to our service specifically to watch this show. Right. But yeah, Q-Force is another one that was sacrificed on the altar. Stunningly good show. Like, I cannot believe how good that show actually turned out to be. Uh, but J.P. Karliak has also been in Star Wars Visions, uh, voicing just a couple of minor things. Uh, he's in Star Wars Squadrons as a pilot. He's, he just does a lot of random little voices. Hmm. That's who this guy is. All right. So there's a little bit of confusion in the wording on the Wikipedia article for Tribe. It identifies the station as being called Vanguard Access. I thought it was Access. I thought it was the, the group of droids was called Vanguard Access. Maybe it's a Vanguard yeah. Access station. If you, click, if you click the link, it says that's the name of the group. But right. then it also says the space station Vanguard Access. So yeah, that it's is a friendly confusing. reminder that Wikipedia is fan run. Although <laughs> Wikipedia, I am going to shout them out this week because Wikipedia is getting a lot of flack because they have decided to add pronouns to the at-a-glance information on characters. And they are getting a lot of flack from exactly the type of people that you would think are going to be the type of people who are going to be mad at this. So for all we occasionally bag on Wikipedia in good fun, shout out to Wikipedia for being rad as fuck. That is oh, I just Yeah, I just noticed that they added that. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, they added that. The people that would be mad about that are predictably mad about that. But <laughs> fuck those people. Right. Uh, Wikipedia, y'all are awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. Anyway, I have no idea what this station is called. I'm okay. just going to call it the space station. The space station. Got it. So when I first saw these droids doing this criminal syndicate, I was like, is that the droid Gatra? 
Do you remember the droid Gotra being mentioned in our Mandalorian episodes, Bradley? Yeah, and didn't we also think that it might show up in Book of Boba because it was supposed to be like a bounty hunter thing? Uh, yeah, I think we thought it was going to show up in Book of, maybe show up in Book of Boba, and then it didn't. Right. Over on For Light and Dice, there is a sort of wild player theory that we're actually going to start the droid Gotra. Because if you've listened to For Light and Dice, which you should, it's an absolutely fantastic show, the crew keeps collecting droids. We've gone from two droids to three droids to five droids now. So one of the crazy theories we have is we will end up accidentally starting the droid Gatra. But apparently this is not the droid Gatra. This is the Vanguard Axis. Okay. Well, they were sassy little droids. because They were sassy droids. <laughs> we do love sassy droids here on this show. Mm-hmm. I did like I did like the leader droid. Mm-hmm. Um, are these the same type of droid that L3 is or like similar? Ooh. Because they what? looked like visually similar. So I wasn't sure if they were the same type, but because there's not no information on it, but I just thought. I do think these like might it. be very similar droids. Yeah, because they just have a similar head and a sim- like if they're not the same type of droid, they're in the same class. You know what I mean? Like I didn't even a- notice that. Yeah, these may be the same type of droids as L3 is. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, because I mean it makes sense because they're so organized, you know. So <laughs> that does because <laughs> she was so organized and she was so ready to take over and they well she also did game, the revolution you know? so like right so which that, she was completely up. right to do yeah it definitely adds up that they would be uh an organized group of criminals of some kind <laughs> we do have to pause briefly our our enjoyable discussion on the episode and talk about the section i have to do every week whose goddamn white baby is that where i a white person tell you my my impression, watching this in the dark on my HDTV, how bad they fucked up the skin tones in this episode. And the reason I'm bringing it up here is because I really have no other good place to put it. This episode looked pretty okay. <laughs> they're they're pretty dark the whole episode. I think it's due to the lighting, mainly. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if they went in and, and messed with the skin tones on this episode. But at least due to the lighting, there's one shot where Omega's like indirect sunlight that's she's looking pretty melanin deficient. But other than that one shot at the very end of the episode, yeah, they're all looking pretty nicely not white in this episode. So this one gets a pass from me. I I didn't have ever really have a point where I looked at it and was like, mm, yeah, you those are white it, people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I I think it's because we are. I mean, maybe the case could be that because we're at the point we're at in the season, they had a chance to start at this point. Possibly, it's true. It's also you know what I mean because the other ones have been theory because the other ones are probably well in the can before they maybe started. This may be editing, the first one you know? they were able to go back and actually really effectively tweak the lighting and right. That is entirely possible. It's, we'll see it's if just it holds theory, out but yeah. the next yeah. few weeks. We'll see if it holds out, but at least this one, the the way they've lit Kashyyyk and the Marauder and the Vanguard Axis station all that. Yeah, I mean they look pretty pretty okay. Pretty, good. pretty okay. Ooh. That concludes the section of whose goddamn white baby is that? Come back next week to find out how bad they fucked up the skin tones. Speaking of things uh, that actually do look great, let's talk about Gunji's character model. Right? Have you seen the fuck the last time they did fucking Wookiees in Rebels? No, I I, I they were go a back. disaster. Google Google Star Wars Rebels Wookies. Okay, let me see. Are they like really blocky? Oh, they look terrible. Let's see. Oh yeah, they're way too smooth. Like they look like stuffed animals. They don't even look. Yeah. like... Yeah, 
they take that. They look like the Lego model. Yeah, take that and compare it to Gunji. I see him in the new one. Yeah, he looks so much better. I mean, like the hair doesn't look like it's slick to his body. Like it looks like it comes off naturally. Like it looks like hair. (laughs) Yeah, it looks like hair. It moves really well. I do. Animation on Gunji is so good. Yeah, because if you compare it to uh, Rebels season one, episode two, it looks like is when there's a little baby Wookiee in that episode. Yeah, yeah that, season that, one, that baby episode Wookie, two. That baby Wookiee does not look good <laughs> compared to Gunji. Like he looks like flat. His hair does not look like it is even existent. It looks like a solid piece. <laughs> like there's no texture. Yeah, wow. I'm very impressed that the update <laughs> of the of the Wookiees, because uh, Gunji looks fantastic. So looks I have amazing. to amazing. Yeah, I, I I give that to them. That looks great. Because I'm I'm also looking at a side by side in like Clone Wars, and he looks better here. Like so, yeah, good for them. Speaking also of things that are good, uh, Kevin Kiner continues to not miss with his score. Score is great the entire episode. You do love a score. I do love a good score. I do love a good score. Well, I listen to Star Wars soundtracks at the gym sometimes when I'm at a podcast. So like, Mm -hmm. I used to listen to them in my car, but my car radio currently isn't working and I can't be bothered to take it to a repair shop to get it fixed. Uh, I like the line with a bit where they're like, uh, well, given the blaster fire, it's most likely Echo or Omega, most likely (laughs) Omega. And I was like, that's... I like how they've established they're just like, all right, it's it's probably Omega. Like, let's just go get her. Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> let's go Omega did it. <laughs> so this buyer that's buying gunji that's palpatine right well, that's what i'm assuming like this is the it start of them acquiring palpatine. them yeah because they're trying to acquire like force sensitive so they can train them into inquisitors or yeah. do whatever evil things that palpatine needs to do with them or possibly do their like creepy blood experiments that they were going to do on grogu oh i never thought about having a wookie inquisitor that would be such a weird they have a like, Dalton Inquisitor. Yeah, but the most of the Inquisitors are uh, basic speaking, right? Or they they have the ability to speak basic versus I do believe a most does of them not have, have the that ability. ability to speak basic. Yeah, but a Wookiee is big and strong and terrifying. That's true. It would be actually a really nice silent type Inquisitor. Like they just kind of do what like the like muscle Inquisitor. Told. Yeah, the muscle Inquisitor. Like the this what is it? The second sister or what's her uh, name? Uh, the big one. The big one, ninth sister. Ninth sister. Okay. Ninth I, sister. Yeah, something like that uh, would be interesting. Actually, now that I think about it, okay, give me a give me a Wookiee Inquisitor. I want to see an evil Wookiee. Like the closest we have is Black Crescenton. So I, is... I was like, yeah, give me a give me an Inquisitor version of Black Crescenton. I like that. There were like there were like Mad Claws and stuff in Legends, but I don't really think we've seen any in canon. I think that most of the Wookiees we've run into in canon, with the exception of Black Crescenton, yeah. are pretty stand up people. I don't think we've ever encountered anyone who's a, a Wookiee who's like a villain. I would love to see other than Black that. I would love to see maybe Black Crescenton has a cousin or a little brother or sister somewhere that we don't know about. And person is an evil inquisitor around the same time. Like, that's be golden. I love that. Well, like, also, like, even Black Crescenton flips between being a, like a... Right. A, a antagonist guy and a, a protagonist yeah. and an antagonist depending on like his movie. story like is <laughs> he got to start teaming up with dr afra and yeah. we know that dr afra has a tendency to slightly be unclear who is on her side and who is not on her side and whose side she's on right. uh, 
Dr. Afro is great. Give me a Dr. Afro animated series. You know what? And also, because they've introduced Gunji here and or established the fact that Gunji's still alive from Order 66, what's nice about Gunji and something that they need to do, what I think they need to do with the Wookiee character and moving forward to keep one longer, because they do live a while. So theoretically, Gunji's like, what? Like 50? Like, we don't know how old he is. He's, but he's like young. He's got to be like 20 or 30 because he's, right. he's pretty young. He was a youngling during the Clone Wars. He's right. not even old enough to have, well, he's just now old enough to have been a Padawan. And we also, there's a Wookiee Padawan in High Republic Phase 1. And it's a little unclear, but sort of implied that they're going to stay a Padawan for a longer period of time. We don't have a lot of clarity because Buryag is basically a Padawan the entire phase one. But I would like to get some, maybe get some clarity on like, do Wookiees have to stay Padawans for longer? Right. Like, how does this work? Did Yoda have to be a Padawan for like a hundred years? Well, that's why, because it kind of brings into question like with Grogu and stuff, like how long he would be like just a quote unquote child versus being a young adult or something. So I think what they could do with Gunji is bring Gunji in to live action because he is so young, he could theoretically just last a bit longer than some other characters and he could kind of show hop from different shows because he can live so long like you could just be like hey here he is in mandalorian have you been reading those interviews with daisy ridley recently where she's Uh talking about how she's 100 down to play ray again and they're she's just waiting for lucasfilm to call her no okay well she's 100 down to play ray again and she's just waiting for lucasfilm to call her Okay. Uh, give me my Ray Disney Plus show, but also you can have uh, Gunji in it. Gunji can show up, and also Grogu. So go Grogu, Gunji, and Ray. Or Ray's training Grogu and Gunji and Finn, yes. and they're this like all the her uh, her new Padawans or whatever. Yes, <laughs> perfect. I love it. Give John Boyega a fuckload of money to come back. Yeah. And and do that properly this time. Yes. Oh, I agree. Get all of these like random surviving Jedi to yeah, show have up. Them come back. Yeah. Speaking of Jedi, uh, Gunji like pulls the lightsaber in and activates it. And even though this shot was in the trailers, uh, I still have hell yes written down in my notes. <laughs> I like I like the reaction from Omega and then Hunter. And I especially like the reaction from Hunter because he's in his helmet. But you can still see him reacting to the presence of, oh my god, that's a fucking Jedi. Yeah. I love that. Speaking of Hunter, uh, I do want to address something that's subtly happening with Hunter this episode. Because Hunter gets a really interesting little arc this episode. In that Hunter... If we remember all the way back to Aftermath, you remember the very first episode of this series, Hunter fails to save Caleb Doom from Order 66. I mean, Caleb survives, but he's freaked out and runs away, and Hunter is not successful in helping. Fast forward to now, and you can see there's this kind of like subtle thing going on with Hunter and Gunji where he's all in to help Gunji, I think, in part because he couldn't help Caleb. And so now he's determined to like get Gunji back to his people and make sure it's safe in large part because he's making up for the failure he he had in the first episode of the series, which I think is an interesting thing that they don't explicitly spell out. But it also shows Hunter's growth as a character to where he and the team are now able to actually help Gunji where he couldn't help Caleb because he was alone then. Now he has the team and now he has Omega, which is a big part of it because Gunji doesn't trust any of the clones at all. 
But Omega is able to get through to him and convince him that, no, we're on your side. We're going to help you. Right. And I think that's a really interesting to look at how far these characters have come over the course of 22 episodes. So there's a line. We're, we're, we're going to get into this now. There's a line. It's been a while since we've been to Kashyyyk. Right. Which I forget who says it's either a wrecker or echo. Right. Says it. Yeah, let's talk about that line. Bradley, how much do you know about the Clone Wars that they didn't make? I only know about the Cad Bane episode where he fights with Boba Fett. I've seen the Animac or whatever, the the really rough sketches or something of that. And then I think there's like a rough sketch of like a Yoda episode or something. And that's about all I've seen or know about. I don't really know anything other than uh, you did tell me about how the Asajj Ventress storyline is. They, that's what the book is based off of. So other than that, I don't really know anything else. All right. So a little bit of history for you. Clone Wars ran for five seasons on Cartoon Network. It was a, it was a joint venture between Lucasfilm and Cartoon Network. And there was already some trouble in the in the water by about season four. They were having some issues with the people at Cartoon Network, uh, were concerned about the increasingly dark tone that the show was taking. Uh, There were some issues with the cooperation between the two, and then Disney came in and acquired uh, Lucasfilm. When Disney acquired Lucasfilm, they basically said, we don't want to deal with Cartoon Network. It's a little unclear. I'm not 100% sure why they made the decision to cancel Clone Wars. I think it was because they just, they didn't really want to deal with the whole Cartoon Network thing. It was already kind of messy. Uh, They also wanted to like move over and and do Rebels. So they ultimately canceled Clone Wars after five seasons at Cartoon Network because of the lead time on animation, about half of season six, it was planned to be about eight episodes, about eight seasons long. About half of season six had been completed Mm -hmm. uh, or was very close to being completed. And so that was the episodes that Netflix came in back when Netflix was good. Netflix came in and said, because they were already hosting all of Clone Wars on Netflix, they said, well, we'll we'll give you a little bit of money to finish up these and we'll stream them on Netflix as the Lost Missions. And that way we got uh, the Yoda episodes uh, where he goes to Moraband as the sort of finale. So after that, they the team moved on to Rebels uh, and Resistance and they were doing more stuff. But over time, they started talking about some of these arcs that they they never made and dave filoni considers these arcs to be canonical to to have happened except where he would make them later on in the case of the ahsoka's walkabout which are the martez sister episodes and the bad batch arc from clone wars both of which were done into season seven and obviously the new version is the the canonical version but there was a bunch of other story arcs that they were planning for season six seven and eight that just never got made like the bounty hunter arc was one uh there was one where ahsoka was supposed to go back to the jedi temple and darcidius was going to try to break in and she was going to fight darcidius through a door uh which was pretty cool they had one where the yuzon vong were going to show up which i'm super glad did not get made do you know what the yuzon vong are bradley i don't think we're allowed to mention drug paraphernalia on uh, the <laughs> <Right>. show. <laughs> Christ. Uh, we don't have time to get into what the Yuzan Vong are. At, at some point, I will explain this to you. But uh, that was a big deal. Would have been a big deal if it had been in the show. But one of the, ep- one of the arcs that was planned that they never actually did was they were going to do an arc on Kashyyyk. And it was going to be Yoda and the Bad Bat. Oh. And 
and Yoda and the Bad Batch were going to go to Kashyyyk. They were going to like team up with the Wookiees to fight against the Separatists. And it was going to be the origin of the bit in Revenge of the Sith where Yoda says that he has good relations with the Wookiees. There's a lot in this episode, Tribe, that is a direct sequel or reference to that. Got it. So they're like, oh, we did this. (laughs) They were like, when they're like, oh, we know this village. It's the village that they were supposed to go talk to during that Mm. unfinished story arc. There's several different notes that we will get to of things that were supposed to be in that story arc that got repurposed here. But they're just repurposed with like the expectation that this is sort of just that happened off screen. That's really annoying. You can watch this episode and be like, this is fine. I enjoy this. But also you can tell it's sort of written with prior knowledge that this thing already happened. And I'm like, just make these episodes, guys. Just, I really wish they would do like one more solid season of Clone Wars where they put in some of this stuff that they want to reference later on so that we have it in some sort of media form or do it as a comic or do it as a novel. Do it like Dark Disciple or Son of Dathomir. If you want to reference this later on, do something with it so that we can read it as part of the mainline story. I shouldn't have to go to the behind the scenes to figure out that this is the second half of a two-part story that already happened. So that's what I meant, Bradley, before when I said there's a lot of backstory as to why this episode is the way it is. It's the way it is because it's a sequel to Clone Wars episodes that didn't happen. That's your Clone Wars history lesson for the day. (laughs) Anyway, that was my rant on the Clone Wars Legacy Project. Bradley, do you have any questions? <laughs> no, Professor, I don't. <laughs> uh, my next note is, seriously, the music and sound effects are A+, as they're walking through Kashyyyk, which, that was just a note I had. They're very mm-hmm. good. So they find this nest of, uh, like, creatures. Do you want to know about those creatures, Bradley? More spiders. More, they find more fucking spiders. Why does Dave Filoni... Why is he in love with giant spider monsters? Like, I just don't understand. So this is not Dave Filoni. Okay. I will bag on Dave Filoni all day. It is important to keep in mind, too, that he is a producer on this show. He's not the one actually writing the story, but it's just really easy to bag on Dave Filoni. So I have picked him as the target. Right. Brad Rao, Jennifer Corbett, I have not forgotten you exist. Ultimately, these are going to be a reference to the Ralph McQuarrie design of, at some point, right? Like, So the Kenrath are interesting in what they actually are. Okay. So these are called the Kenrath, uh, the Kenraths. They have appeared in canon before in the animatic for the Kashyyyk episodes that I just explained to you. So they've shown these things on screen, like when they did a panel at SWCA in, I think, 2015. When they were in Anaheim, that's what these are from in canon, is they were supposed to be, the Bad Batch was supposed to fight them. They actually go further back, because they're actually from Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Of course they are. They go all the way back to Knights of the Old Republic. There's a bit where you go to Kashyyyk, and you go down into the Shadowlands, and the Kenrith are some of the things that you fight when you are on Kashyyyk. So, they originated in Knights of the Old Republic. There was a reference made to them... In the original, they were supposed to show up as a reference to Knights of the Old Republic in the original Clone Wars episodes, and now they're showing up here. They are not in Jedi Fallen Order, which I thought they were similar to things, but no, no, it's it's completely different. That's your that's your history lesson on that's your these spider fucking history spiders. <laughs> there you go. There's your history lesson on these fucking spiders. Loves it. 
So they have this uh, like encounter with the Kenrith and they're like, oh, they won't hurt you if you don't antagonize them. Uh, great, we move on. We find uh, some Trandoshans who are taking Wookiees captive and they're planning to destroy these like sacred rocks that are like sacred to the Wookiees or something. Pause. Pause. Okay, is this it? This is. We're it. gonna this get to time. the thing. Okay. I promise that that's that's my next note after this. Okay. We're going to get to the thing, but before we get to the thing, we have to talk about Commander Venomore. Ooh, yes. Commander Venomore, who is the lead Trandoshan, on Twitter, when this episode came out, one of my mutuals, who I've mentioned on the show before, at LiamLikesSW, big separatist guy, Liam is. He loves seeing separatist stuff, so he's having a ball with this show. Was like, oh, this episode finally gave us a separatist leader we've been waiting for, Commander Venomore. And I went, Venomore is not a separatist, is he? Huh? So I went and checked. Commander Venomore was supposed to be the villain of the unfinished Clone Wars episodes <laughs> from the season of the Clone Wars that they uh, didn't make. Of course. And there's was. actually concept art and like model art that you can find oh. of Babwa Venomore from those episodes. Supposed to be a separatist leader that was the villain of those particular episodes, which I would not have known if Liam had not tweeted about it. So for the second week in a row, thank you at Liam Likes SW for making me sound a lot smarter about this than I actually am. You know, it adds up because I, I, I it makes sense that the the Trandoshans would have been like a part of the Separatists, but now but now I'm watching this episode being like they're teaming up with the Empire though. So it's weird that they would have like I guess maybe they're not very loyal. So they could have just They're like, not. Swapped. They just want to hunt Wookiees. Right. So they're like, ah fuck it. The Empire is the current one. So we'll just go to the Empire. Like, you know, they don't really care. Whoever's winning, I guess, is who they feel. Whoever loyal will to. let us hunt Wookiees. Right. Whoever will let us do our thing, mm-hmm. we're going to back. I like it. Yeah, so apparently Babwa Venomore was the villain of those unfinished Clone Wars episodes. Hmm. So that's why uh that's why he's here. Cool. Okay. All right. All right. Let's let's get it out of the way. Let's let's, let's talk about let's it now. It. Okay. Let's I'll give you like 5 minutes to talk about okay. it. Okay. We don't ever have to bring it up again. I, we I, like, I, <laughs> I want to I well, we're going to bring it up again. I want to I want to take the mask off for for just a minute and explain the joke slightly. Okay. My issue with the flamethrower began with our Mandalorian season 1 coverage. Way back when we first started this podcast, when I observed that the wrist-mounted flamethrower is kind of a shitty weapon that doesn't do anything. Right. It has very little practical application because you can't use it for an extended period of time. It doesn't have a lot of range. And it's not really powerful enough to like do what it needs to do. Whereas something like the flamethrower in episode eight that the flame trooper uses to burn down the building, I think is relatively effective because they're using it to burn down the building and not to like try to shoot at people. Right. That's my issue with the wrist-mounted flamethrower. I don't hate all flamethrowers. All flamethrowers are not created equally. All flamethrowers are not created equal. Din Djarin using his wrist-mounted flamethrower on the shield of the droid in episode 7 of Book of Boba Fett is stupid. Bo-Katan using her flamethrower to briefly set fire to a thatched roof in episodes of the Clone Wars makes sense. That's a pretty 
decent use of the flamethrower. So I don't get super offended when all flamethrowers show up on screen, just ones I think are impractical. Why the fuck do they have tanks that are flamethrowers? <laughs> It's a multi-purpose tank. It's a, no, it's a one-purpose tank. Here's what gets me. They're using, here's the thing. Here's, here's what gets me enraged about these flamethrower tanks, Bradley, okay? Uh -huh. These flamethrower tanks have exactly one use. One. It is what they are currently using it for which is to set fire to the dry underbrush of a forest. Right. If you are going to defoliate a forest, it does make sense to have like a heavy duty flamethrower that you can use to set fire to the brush. But also, now that I say this out loud, how the fuck are you gonna get the tank out of there if the fire becomes too much? Like, is the tank fireproof? That's because my guess. Because it's also, like, covered in netting, which would I would be like, what's the Catch point? Fire. It, like, if the fire spreads out of control, are you supposed to be able to, like, take cover inside the tank and wait for the fire to burn out? This doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I don't know. I guess, and also, uh, like, yeah, you're right. Why are you going to spend a bunch of money retrofitting a tank? And also, like, what happens if you can't get the tank into the forest in the first place? Because some of those trees might be really close together. Like, is that what the people who are walking around with the flamethrowers, in which case, why wouldn't you just use those people? You only have to set a small fire. But now you've spent a bunch of money retrofitting this tank to be a flamethrower. The point of spending a bunch of money to turn a tank into a flamethrower that you can only use for one specific thing and is not even the best at doing that thing. A guy with a flamethrower that can set fire to a pile of leaves is going to accomplish exactly the same thing. Are the Trained Ocean's just money laundering? Is that what's going on? Are they trying to do something that requires them to move a shitload of money around and they have to make it look like they're spending the money on stuff when they're really just like, no, we totally needed like 5 million credits uh, to retrofit this tank into a flamethrower. This is definitely a line item that who's balancing their budget? Did they kill off the one guy, Count Dooku, who knew what a spreadsheet was? <laughs> No. And like, where are you going to use it outside of this one specific scenario? Like, you can't take it into battle. You can't do, maybe it was like an old Separatist tank that they were going to like scrap anyway. And the Trandoshans were like, nah, we'll turn it into a flamethrower. Which I guess makes sense because the Trandoshans are fucking stupid. But also like, why would you want to burn the forest down if your deal is to hunt? And then they say later on that like, oh, they're stripping the planet for its natural resources. How does that make sense if you're setting them all on fire? Well, because the natural resources are probably underground. Like, so it's not the foliage or the plant life is not the natural resources. The natural resources would be like maybe minerals in the ground so they're going to start strip mining the planet i'm assuming because yeah, if you think that's... about it if it's a jungle planet or something that means the soil is very rich because there's so many trees so i would assume that the soil is mineral rich it's there's, that's my there's theory. better ways to clear out the brush because then you still have to go in and deal with the trees yeah like you still have to deal with the trees you still have to deal with that's another thing with the wookie sacred site they are flamethrowing rocks yeah why? i didn't quite understand why that are other... they flamethrowing rocks other than to just be dicks about the rocks like i don't know what you're else you're not you're not destroying the rocks with yeah. the flamethrower you're just, like you're you're, you're charring, charring them yeah <laughs> you're desecrating them but you're not getting rid of them like is 
the Maybe point that's to all be it a is, dick? Yeah. Is the yeah, point I think to so. be a dick? From this actual show, we know of a Trandoshan that's not technically a dick. She's very nice for the most part. Sid, mm, yeah. Look, it's, but she's shady. She's shady. She's, she's shady. shady. She's so, shady yeah, as fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 later on, we will address uh, the whole uh, wrist-mounted flamethrower and Jedi thing because that comes up. That comes up in this episode. However, for the moment, I'm hyperfixated on this tank. Shout out though to the animation though that if you look closely, because they have this moment where the like barrel of the the tank comes down and you can you realize it's a flamethrower because they have the two little flames that it's gonna ignite the the flamethrower underneath it. Like, shout out to that creeping moment of dread when you realize, ah, yes, the tank is a flamethrower just because of how well it's designed and animated. On that note, though, I said before, and I will say again, who on the Bad Batch, which which one of you either listens to Gold Squadron or listens to a show like Darkseid Divas or Jedi's and Jedi where they talk about me and my hatred of the flamethrower? Because I feel like this is here to spite me specifically. I feel like this is a personal attack. I know that's just me being hyperbolic, but like, I would not put it past someone to casually suggest, hey, what if we put more flamethrowers in this? This is my thing. I had to change my Twitter bio because being the guy that hates flamethrowers, this is my thing now, apparently. Right. Is I'm the guy that hates flamethrowers, which I'm totally cool with. I think it's hilarious. That's just my legacy is I'm the guy that hates flamethrowers. But only when they're they're impractical, which the flamethrower tanks are. We're moving on. Okay. We're moving on. We're moving on to the next thing. It's been seven or eight minutes that I have ranted about this solidly because this makes no sense to me. And I, I've become enraged. And I'm going to be enraged again later about more flamethrower stuff. I do like how they, they do have to stop the flames. I do think that is one cool thing that they mention that the they they have to like dig trenches like they have to dig out the brush to stop right. the flames from spreading i do think that is a really awesome detail we see it here and we see it again at the end of the episode that they don't just leave the fires burning because that's why the flamethrowers are so effective here on the underbrush is that it catches fire and then if you let it burn unattended, it's going to spread really fast through the dry brush. So I do like that they have to like stop and dig out trenches and things. But I promised I would stop talking about that. Right. I was going to say, moving on to giant cats. Moving on to giant cats. So the giant cats have names. Okay. What are they called? Giant cats have names. They are the Malaya Steeds. Malaya okay. Steeds. I like them. Mm -hmm. And, uh... And we have seen them before. Do you want to oh. know where we've seen them before? Yes, please. Where have we seen them? We have seen them before in the Celebration Anaheim in 2015 panel because they were supposed to debut in the unfinished of episodes course. from the Clone Wars. <laughs> you know, I could have just guessed that, honestly. Yeah, reading the behind the scenes, it's it's they're sort of like tree spirits that the Wookiees ride can summon and ride like the Wookiees whole thing is they live in harmony with nature and so these are like spirits that they can summon and ride or creatures they can summon and ride it's actually really funny if you go and look at the the Malaya Malaya page on Wikipedia mm -hmm. you actually see that the Dave Filoni made like a sketch of them and then George Lucas didn't like the head so Dave Filoni got a yellow post-it note and like covered up the head and drew a different head <laughs> 
and you can actually see the posted note right uh, but that's where these are from other than that we we haven't really seen them before anywhere else hmm. okay i like it i i think it it ties into the whole the wookies are connected to the trees and nature so of course they'd be able to connect with these giant beasts it's very like okay i hate to say this it's very avatar because oh, fuck off because it's the idea is that they're connected to nature and they can talk to flying dragon creatures through their penis tails or whatever and then the Wookiees are similar because I but in a better way because they just use nature instead of the force so they just kind of go yeah we can ride these giant creatures because they know that we want to protect them in their home or something like, well they're both they're both drawing from like like indigenous people's mythology yeah. and, and things like that which but yeah they they are kind of similar I do like the Wookiees better just because their Wookiees yep. and not whatever the fuck those Avatar movies are. I haven't even seen Way no. of Water and I have no intention of seeing Way of Water. Same. I have I have no no care. But yeah, that's the thing with the Wookiees. And we get a lot of that like spiritual connection to the trees too in the back half of this episode where they're right. like communing with the tree and Praying like there's the even trees, a nice little yeah. moment at the end where Omega like has a moment where she like kneels and touches the tree and respect and right. it's just very cool. I liked I liked this episode a lot. I'm ragging on the flames but I like this episode a lot. I do think that this bit where they like meet up with the Wookiees and then they're taken back to the village and they obviously know the village elder. I do think it would have been more emotional if we had seen the original Clone Wars story. This whole the Bad Batch is reunited with the Wookiees and they decide to fight alongside them. And Hunter's basically immediately, there's no hesitation here from Hunter. She's like, oh, we're right. going to fight the Trandoshans. He's like, I am all in. Yeah. I am ready to go. That would have made a lot more sense if we had seen the original interaction between Clone Force 99 and the Wookiees. Yeah, it doesn't feel like an earned. It doesn't feel earned. It's the same yeah. thing as Boba killing Cad Bane. It doesn't feel er, feel earned. Right. Because the only the only thing that's earned here is we know Omega will do whatever, whenever, but the Bad Batch won't. So it's like uh like she obviously is just there for Gunji. She's not there because she necessarily thought about the Wookiees beforehand. So she was like, Oh, Gunji's with the Wookiees, so I'm with the Wookiees. So like that's her mentality. Versus the Bad Batch is like, hell yeah, let's help these guys out because we got nothing better to do today. There's like no hesitation. <laughs> from anybody in the Bad Batch. Yeah. They're immediately like, yeah, no, we're going to help the Wookiees. Mm -hmm. uh, the only hesitation is at the beginning, and that's not even hesitation about helping, like, Gunji. It's specifically about taking him to Kashyyyk, because it's like, well, is he going to be safe there? He's a Jedi. He's not safe anywhere. We might as well take him where he wants to go. Basically, the entire fight uh, that they have with the Trandoshans and all of that mainly is just summed up in my notes as this rules. Yeah, it was a cute little battle. Like it was it. fun. It was a it was a cool battle. I like the. It's very rare we get to see them all fighting on screen at the same time. Mm -hmm. So that was neat. Um, I also want to bring up the fact that in this fight, people die. Yes. So this is no longer the case of we're trying to punch people or knock people out. Like this is like a nope. We're trying. They're to primarily survive. well. Yeah. They're also primarily fighting Trandoshans. So right. their Which whole thing great. with the stun stun blasts is it tends to be when they're fighting clones they'll use stun blasts. Right. Except in very dire circumstances like on Bracca. Yeah, that's where why it's I like, like no, this. you need to kill people or you are gonna die. But I, I yeah, definitely like that. Yeah. This is just a firefight. Mm -hmm. This is I a straight it. up firefight. I liked it. So Gunji goes after Venomore. Venomore pulls out a flame 
flamethrower, which not the worst flamethrower I've ever seen. Well, this Doesn't is a, have a tried and true flamethrower. Like this is a this true flamethrower. This right? one, <laughs> Venomor actually has like a pack. It's attached to him and there's actually right. a pack where you can see where he's keeping the fuel. So it has a substantial amount of fuel. Now the question is, is this flamethrower effective against a Jedi? Because, and she was quick to point this out, to me. As Steph mentioned, one good theory as to the reason why Mandalorians use wrist-mounted flamethrowers is because Jedi can't block them, except in Legends, where Jedi can block Dirge's flamethrower for some reason, but we're not going to deal with that. Fire is much harder to push back than or deflect than a blaster bolt. So I will give him this. Venomor is effective in keeping Gunji away for a moment using the flamethrower. Because Gunji, like, runs at him, Venomor flamethrowers, and Gunji has to move out of the way. Right, it's like keeping it at a distance. Not very effective at actually hitting him. No, of course not, yeah. So if you're a Mandalorian, right, and you have a wrist-mounted flamethrower, and you have a Jedi that gets too close, you can flamethrower them very quickly to drive them away, or maybe catch their robes on fire, which we see Din do with Ahsoka. Then you have things like your blasters, and the wire cords that they can use to tie people up. There's other things you can use to actually kill the Jedi. Venomor's just using the flamethrower, which is the problem, because the flamethrower is not going to be able to hit the Jedi. It's too big and bulky. Unless you are able to, like, flamethrower him immediately in the face, it's not going to do much. Gunji's just going to dive out of the way, right. which is exactly what Gunji does, and run away. And oh, by the way, Gunji has to be close for you to be able to even hit him with the flamethrower. If you had a blaster, you could shoot him while he was in the tree, and then he sets fire to him to the underbrush and like right. you only you only just trapped yourself inside because the jedi can run around he can jump over the flames you cannot <laughs> right. you cannot do this you are trapped inside with the jedi so when the kinrath come down and like tie you up Eat and then also <laughs> once gunji gets close he's able to destroy the flamethrower pretty easily once right. he's able yeah. to like dodge around it and actually get close to venomore he just slices that thing in half and then venomore tosses it to the ground and he's like he's got no blaster he's just he's he's prepared to go hand to hand which with is this stupid. jedi and i'm like you fucking dumbass you don't even have like a knife like a vibro well, knife again trandoshans are not the smartest clearly <laughs> so it's clearly venomor is a fucking idiot well now he's just a snack now he's a snack for the camera <laughs> r.i.p venomor you fucking idiot if you'd have relied yeah. on a slightly better weapon you would have been good see this is the difference between the trandoshans and the mandalorians the mandalorians use a flamethrower as part of a broader arsenal that's used to take out jedi right and it makes sense venomor is using only a flamethrower against a jedi and that doesn't make any sense at all yeah venomor's just you dumb He's just thinking, I can lure Wookiees out of the forest with this thing. But clearly, he's never done a, a Jedi Wookiee before because he doesn't know any better. Christ. The flamethrower... Flame Final throwers, thoughts on the flamethrower. <laughs> flamethrowers are good in very specific cases. Generally, when you need to either keep someone away from you 
or you need to uh, set fire to something that is flammable. Other than that, they are consistently useless and pointless. And that is my rant about flamethrowers until we get Perfect. to Mandalorian Season 3, where undoubtedly Ken will use the flamethrower again. Uh, on, it'll have to happen shit. at some point, yeah. It won't do shit useful. One of these days, I really am going to go through every single instance of the flamethrower in Star Wars and try to tally up which times were the flamethrower useful and which times was it just completely useless. I want someone out there, because I'm too lazy to do this, and I've thought of this, I thought it'd be really funny, because you brought it up earlier in the episode. Somebody go out, get every clip of them using the flamethrower, edit it all into one mashup, and then instead of the flamethrower sound every time it comes out, just put in... Y'all already know who I am. Um, My name's Topher, and... Every time it, like, starts flaming... And then they're gonna like, send that video to Yeah, me. send that to get, If somebody did that, do you know how many times I would be tagged in that video? How funny so would that edit be? I'm just saying. many times. So somebody please do that edit for me because I'm too lazy to make it. But oh that would God. be the funniest fucking edit of y'all already know who I am. My name's Tover. So anyway, <laughs> they have to deal with the fire. Yes, of course. Put it back out. They well, they have to they have to let it burn out. So they have to dig. We see shots of them digging. Basically, mm -hmm. they're they're separating the brush that's on fire from the rest of the foliage, right. so that they can like the fire will burn itself out because uh, eventually it will just run out of fuel. I like the ending of the episode. I thought was really emotional where they're talking about like they're just kids. They should be allowed to be kids, but they can't because that's not the world we live in. Uh, I also thought it was interesting for Gunji as like a parallel to Omega, mm -hmm. where Gunji's arc this episode is he has to kind of find his people and fight alongside them. And more broadly, that's what Omega's arc has been. Yeah. Is that Omega's kind of found her chosen family that she's willing to fight alongside. And I think that was a cool parallel between the characters. And we also know that later on, you know, Caleb will find his, but that was something that, or as far back as Aftermath, Caleb was completely alone after Order 66. Right. Well, I thought that was a nice parallel between the characters. All right, Bradley, do you have any final thoughts on this episode? Final thoughts? I really like this episode. I hope Gunji pops up again. He won't pop up on Bad Batch again. I'm 99% sure. This seems like a just kind of a one-off adventure for Gunji, but I would like to see him show up again, possibly in later content, because we know he's alive at least this point, um, and we know Wookiees live for a significant amount of time. So it would theoretically make sense that he survives through the entire OG saga, I would assume. And then possibly he may show up in the Mandalorian age. Who knows? That would be a nice place. Uh, also be nice for him to show up in the Disney era as well with the uh, sequel trilogy and Ray. I don't know. I mean, I think it would be nice for him to show up again. I like him. But yeah, this was a great episode. And it seems to me that this is the final kind of one-off adventure episode because next week is our double another double episode so we're going to get back to our main our story yeah clones conspiracy and truth and consequences are going to be the next episodes uh, on the same day so i do think you were right with i think this might be our next uh quote-unquote uh, coruscant episode i think this that is the palpatine stuff because they're also palpatine running stuff, out of yeah. stuff from the trailers we've seen most of the stuff from the trailers right yeah this in... is definitely it 
yeah, I think this is the this finally is getting not... back to the main storyline or overarching storyline. Overarching storyline, I would right. say. Not so much uh yeah. not so much necessarily that there's going to be a main storyline the way there is right, in right. Mandalorian, but there's sort of an overarching Right, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah, I do think we're gonna get back to I I do strongly think the next week is gonna be Coruscant. Yeah. And now that I've said that, it definitely will not be. Yeah, now yeah, this is this is back to the the meeting episode with Book of Boba all over again. We were like, Oh yeah, next this week is, is the meeting. This is the meeting next week episode or it's yeah. Rex. There's yeah. always one thing that I'm constantly insisting, like, the next episode will be this, and then it's never fucking that. Oh, for sure. I I don't know how to plan a season in my brain. Well, if we had gotten all 14 episodes before we started the show, we could we have know. theoretically known. Okay, okay, yes. <laughs> uh, you're not, you're not going to let me live this down. No. Uh, Charles, what do you think of the episode? I really loved the emotional core of the episode. I thought it was excellent. I thought that the writing was excellent in this episode. Uh, the just the vibe of the episode was excellent. I like that we got a little bit more of Hunter, but they also didn't do the same thing that they're always doing with Hunter, which is Hunter doesn't want to do the thing and then is convinced to do the thing. I like that he had a slightly different arc and we got to know a little bit more about how he thinks about different things. I hated all of the flamethrowers, zero out of 10. Uh, this is the worst episode of the season. This is the worst episode of Bad Batch. This is the worst episode of Star Wars TV animation. Uh, yes, I hate this more than I hate the D-Squad arc. And I You're now so hate dumb. the D-Squad arc more because my boyfriend loves the D-Squad arc. You're so stupid. And will constantly bring it up to me. Uh, yeah, this is the worst thing. Thank you to everyone. And I mean everyone who tagged me and stuff about this episode. I, I want to say that I hope that we're done with flamethrowers for the season, but I don't think we're done with flamethrowers for the season. I think we're done in this capacity. I think they really pushed the envelope on flamethrowers this episode. I think we're done with the 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 amount of flamethrower. I think that it will probably get maybe like little ones later on, but I don't think it'll be as serious. It'll be like uh, the crosshair episode where it was like for 0.5 seconds it's in the episode. Just to spite me. Right, exactly. I swear, this is, this is my wild insane conspiracy theory for the season is that someone on that team was like, let's add more flamethrowers just to fuck with this one guy. Oh yeah, for sure. That's my wild conspiracy theory. I know it's not true, but that's my wild conspiracy theory. If it, someone was like, there's a guy that really hates flamethrowers, let's put more of them in. Oh, if, if it were up to me and I was like secretly like on the Bad Batch writing team i'd be like guys i have a great idea for an episode omega builds her own flamethrower oh and then the whole crux of the episode is her <laughs> trying to learn how to use it and learning how to use it effectively and uh, i don't know i'm just kidding but there you go anyway that's it for the episode go listen to for light and dice the high republic ttrpg podcast that i'm on uh, with many other awesome uh, Star Wars content creators. Uh, we are in the middle of our second story arc, and we are on the planet of Yagduel, a planet that has basically no information, so Chris has had to make up most of it. That's my plug for this episode. The flamethrower is useless. Bradley, run the socials. Thank you for listening to Gold Squadron Gaze. Did Charles fuck something up? Send us a message at goldsquadrongaze at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Gold Squad Gaze. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Gold Squadron Gaze. Subscribe to us on YouTube at Gold Squadron Gaze, where we post the podcast as well as exclusive content. Please join us next week and every week for more of Gold Squadron Gaze. 
could probably teach a college course since I wonder if our alma mater will have me back to teach teach <laughs> just clone wars Star Wars lesson. Star Wars lessons yeah you'd be I'll like do all right a guys this month we're doing clone wars I'll uh I'll I'll go back and do a uh do a lecture on podcast marketing there you go that'll be you know our alma mater is never gonna have me back